Amen. Thank you, Ronnie. Very good. Very good. Well, today we are going to dig into God's Word once again, and we are in Isaiah 61. So we are on the second to last verse of Isaiah 61. So we are almost done. I assume we'll finish next week or two if, if the last one takes more than one week. So we are in, in verse 10, Isaiah 61.10. If you're a guest, we have been in Isaiah 61 for, uh, well, this is the 16th message. Uh, we had an introduction plus 15 messages. Uh, so if you want to catch up, you can catch up online and, and have lots of time to listen to myself and my wife preach. Uh, but today, uh, we're in the second to last verse. And... Uh, it's interesting that we're on this verse where it mentions a bride and a bridegroom because last night uh, we had a wedding right in this building. Uh, Daniel and Kim, uh, Daniel Ruska and Kim Sosa, they normally sit up front over here on the, on the left hand, on my left hand side, you're right, uh, were married last night. So that's why, you're, that's why your special seat that you normally, normally sit in is not available. So I know some of you come in and you're, oh no, what do I do now? <laughs> We've moved the chairs around. Uh, but we're going to mention a wedding here. Man, just I, let me tell you that God's just really doing something in, in Daniel. I'm just excited about that and excited to see where where God takes them as they enter this, this next step in their lives. So I uh, just think it's awesome. So let's read the word. We're going to start in verse 10. Isaiah 61, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God to us. And it says this, I delight greatly in the Lord, my soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of His righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. So we're going to look at verse 10 today, uh, which talks about two articles of clothing, the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. And right before this, of course, we've looked at uh, God's talking about justice, you know, how he loves justice, that he's committed to justice, that he's faithful to his covenant, that he's going to do what he said he will do, that he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. Then he's talking about the next generation. This is going to be passed on. We talked about how important it is to pass on the faith to the next generation, that God's not just interested in your life. He's not just interested in you fulfilling your dreams and you living a great life and and then Nothing else happening. He's interested in your children and your grandchildren and your children's children's children to follow Jesus and to grow and to increase and for there to be a passing on of the faith. And so, man, what an exciting testimony for Greg and Josie's granddaughter to experience a miracle and experience God. It's not the first time she's done that. Uh, Maddie's seen all kinds of things happen in her life. And so... Um, that's so awesome. I didn't know that until you shared it. So uh, thank you, Lord. 
but that's what we want, right? We want to see, we want to see our kids. We want to see our grandkids. We want to see them walking with Jesus. We want to see that their descendants will be, you know, among the nations. There'll be influence. Lord, there'll, there'll be success. There'll be blessing. There'll be, there'll be goodness in, in our, in our seed, as it were. So that's where we've been in the last two verses. And now it says, I delight greatly in the Lord, for my soul rejoices with God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. And so immediately I thought of a, a, a verse that is very close to this. If you flip over to Isaiah 64, there's no more verses on the screen today. So you're going to have to use your Bible. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, so Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. This is Isaiah 64, 6. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. You know, here's the deal. It doesn't matter how good you are. You know, people say, well, I'm, I'm a good person. Compared to God, he says, your goodness, your good deeds, all the, all the nice things that you did without him is like a filthy rag compared to him. It doesn't measure up. It's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna save you. It's not gonna, it's not gonna take you to that next level. It's not gonna make you a child of God. It's not gonna get you to heaven. Uh, you know, I mean, we have a whole lot of people in our country that are like, you know what? Here's the deal. Almost everybody thinks they're a good person. Did you know that? I mean, just about everybody does. You, cause you're like, you know, I'm not, we always like to point the pe- finger at someone else. Well, I'm not like that person. You know, you find someone worse than you, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what level you're at. You can find somebody that you like, they look really bad compared to me. Oh man, I'm, I'm doing all right compared to them. And here's the deal. It's true. You might be doing all right compared to them. But the comparison, when we get to heaven and we're standing before Jesus, there's not a comparison of, hey, let's, let's take Greg and Ronnie here. Let's, we're going to compare them. Let's see. All right, you know, Greg, yeah, pretty good. You know, let's check with Josie, though. Um, okay, well, still pretty good. Okay, now we'll go. Oh, let's go to Ronnie here. Where's is, what is Ronnie measure up here? Pretty good, too. You know, let's check with Carlene. Uh, ooh, uh-oh. Um, <laughs> No, still pretty good. And so it's like, oh, we got to, hey, if we, if we measure ourselves against what's here, but then it's like, hey, no, the measurement is this, perfection. And here's the deal. It's not to condemn us. It's to understand I need something else other than me. I, I need something beyond myself. If I've, and you know, here's the deal. If we're honest with ourselves, we know that our lives are full of stuff that has made us filthy. We have all done things. We talked about this in the section on shame here just a few weeks ago. I mean, every single one of us has done at least one thing that we're like, I wish I never did that. I wish I never did that. And we've got filthy rags. And that's the beautiful picture in this scripture right here because it says he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. You know, what is the garments of salvation? Well, it's this. He says, give me your filthy rags. 
and I'll give you my clothes. I'll give you my pure white linen clothing, so to speak. I mean, we don't wear pure white linen clothing anymore. So whatever is whatever picture in your mind you need of the perfect set of clothes, totally clean, doesn't need to be taken to the dry cleaners. It's pressed. It looks nice. It's perfect. There's no stain. There's no blemish. There's no string hanging off. Uh, there's no tear in it. There's nothing wrong with it. You have the perfect clothing, the garments of salvation. You know, there's a story uh, in Zechariah. In the book of Zechariah, did you know there was a book of Zechariah? It's okay if you didn't, okay? It's not one we read every day. So Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. So if you can find it, if you've got a Bible there, there's a Bible in front of you there under the chair somewhere if you don't have one. I'm going to go to Zechariah chapter 3. This is, I don't want to say, this is, this is, an account that I really enjoy reading. I almost said one of my favorites, but I probably say that every week. So I just, this, I enjoy this. I'll just say it that way. I've always, this picture, this, this, it's really like kind of a vision that happens here. Uh, you know, Zechariah is one of the prophets and he sees all kinds of crazy visions. Um, and right now, then he has this specific vision of kind of like what's going on in the heavenlies. And I think it's a great picture of, of this last scripture in Isaiah 61. So verse 1 of Zechariah, not Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, or I might say Jeshua in your, in your translation, uh, the high priest. So we know who this guy is, right? Joshua. So Zechariah is seeing a vision. And he sees the high priest, whose name at this moment is Joshua, which is the same ultimately as Jesus, Yeshua, uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Savior, the Messiah. And so he sees a picture of the high priest. So this is like the guy of highest standing. This, again, in the Old Testament, the high priest was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies once a year to present the sacrifice for sins for all the people. So, I mean, he's a pretty high level of spirituality here. You know, he had a, a, a high place. And it says he sees Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord... Here's the deal, and I can't explain all of this, but I'll just tell you, give you a hint. Anytime you see the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is who it is, Jesus. The angel of the Lord is the only angel in the whole Bible that will receive worship. That's how we know it's Jesus. When Gideon, when Gideon meets the angel of the Lord, he offers a sacrifice and the angel accepts it. Any other time you, you see the angel of the Lord, another angel in the Bible, like Gabriel or Michael or, or some of the unnamed ones, if people try to worship them, they say, nope, get up, worship God. But the angel of the Lord, that specific name is reserved for an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so uh, Gideon actually shows it to us in Judges chapter 6. When he leaves, he says, oh, I've seen God and I've lived. So that's how we know the angel of the Lord is not an angel. It's, you know, the word angel can be messenger as well. So it's really even more properly translated the messenger of the Lord. Jesus is the word of God. So this is Jesus here. So the high priest is standing before the angel of the Lord. So he's standing before Jesus. So there's a picture of heaven. And Satan 
standing at his right side to accuse him. So right here we've got the devil himself is standing in this heavenly place. There's two places in the Bible where we see that the devil can actually show up in the heavenly courts. In the book of Job, where he stands up, the devil comes and says, Hey, God, God says, Hey, guess what, devil? Look at Job. (laughs) It's like the thing we we always never want God to say. If the devil comes up to heaven, God, please don't mention my name. I don't want to go through what Job went through, right? You know, if you don't know the story of Job, just read the first two chapters and the last two chapters. You get the whole dot. You can skip the dialogue, but that gives you the, the overall story of what happened. So here is the second time where we see a picture of Satan standing in heaven. What is Satan doing? He's accusing Joshua, the high priest. You know, the word Satan actually means the adversary or the accuser. So it's like his... It's who he is. He just accuses you. And so he's accusing Joshua. So he is he is pointing out right before God everything that's wrong with Joshua. And so the Lord said to Satan. It's interesting how the Lord talks here. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who's chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning s- stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Sounds exactly like Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 64. So the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. And so then the angel gives a charge to the high priest, Joshua, and, and moves on. But I want to focus in on, on the encounter here. So you've got this, you've got the setup here that's going on that this setup, I believe, happens all the time in our lives. This setup happens Every week for us. Because you come before the Lord, and a lot of times there's some, there's a voice in your head, or there's a voice from your past, and it's coming and it's accusing you. And it's gonna say all the things, all the reasons that you don't deserve to be called a child of God, all the reasons that you don't deserve to be in God's presence, all, don't even bother reading the Bible, you're, all the stuff you've done, you haven't, you don't even have the right to touch that holy book. I mean, whatever thought it is, the enemy will come in himself and he'll start accusing you and he'll bring up all the bad stuff about your life. That's exactly what was happening with Joshua. And here's the deal. I mean, it's not even happening in like a private place. It's happening in a public place. This is the enemy publicly bringing this man Joshua before God himself and saying, look at what he's done. Look at who this man is. He's not worthy of you. He can't stand in your presence. He doesn't deserve your love. Look at how many times he's failed. Look at the words he's used. Look at the way he's used his mouth to hurt people. Look at the things his eyes have looked at. Look how impure he's been. Look at his thoughts. Look at the way he's he's had hateful thoughts toward people. Look how he treated his wife. Look how he treated his kids or his mother. Look how he treated his co-workers. 
Man, we hear that we hear that accusation sometimes continually. Some of us, some of us have broken free where we begin to hear the voice of the Lord. But there's that voice is always there. If we want to listen to the voice of the enemy, guess what? Guess what he's saying? He's saying just the same things that I was just saying, just the th- same things he was saying to Joshua on that day. He's going to accuse you of something. And it's going to be something that's going to try to keep you away from God and to try to prove to you that you're not worthy. And this is the picture of Isaiah 61. This is the picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ where God says, guess what? I see that you're wearing a filthy rag. I see your life. I see every single thing you've done. And I'm going to give you a trade. I'm going to give you the clothes that Jesus is supposed to wear. Instead of what you deserve... I'm going to give you what Jesus deserves. I'm going to look at you in a different way. He's looking through the cross. God always, everything in the Old Testament, God was looking forward to the cross. In other words, there was going to be Jesus, the angel of the Lord, was going to come down to earth. He was going to become a man. He was going to live a perfect life. And he was going to die a horrific death on the cross. And he was going to be dead for three days. And on the third day, on Sunday morning, he was going to come back to life, conquering death and sin and Satan. And then he was going to invite everyone to believe in him and trust in him and bring with him as many people as he could to deliver them from the fear of death, from the domain of darkness, from 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 the bondage of sin into salvation, into the family of God and into freedom. And he says, I'm going to take off your filthy rags. I'm going to take off all the junk that's in your life. I'm going to remove it from you forever. And I'm going to give you my life. The garments of salvation. But there's also another article of clothing. You know, this is maybe this is God's clothing shop or something right here. You know, Isaiah 61. Let's go back there. says this, he's clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. See, normally the, they would have a garment would be the, the linen undergarment. That would be what they would wear, be white, you know, especially the priests. But symbolism there is the white, the purity, and then what you would do is you'd put on over that, you'd put on your, your robe. And your robe basically uh, identified your status, who you were, what family you were part of, and, and the place you, you belonged to in that family. Remember the prodigal son, Luke 15? So the prodigal son is, uh, he asks for his father's inheritance before his father's dead. Okay? In other words, he was, in other words, I want, in other words, he was saying this, dad, I want you dead so I can have your money. That's what he was saying. That was the heart of the prodigal son. So his father said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. So he gives him his inheritance and the, the prodigal son goes off. He runs away from the father. He leaves the father's house and he goes out and wastes his life. He's with prostitutes. He's getting drunk. He's partying. He's living the, living the life. And so, of course, one day he's got nothing. He's destroyed his life. Uh, 
He's in a place of shame and guilt. He's trying to work with pigs because it's the only job he can get. He's looking at the pig food. I mean, the pigs are eating some nasty stuff, and he's so hungry that he says, that looks good. You know you're in trouble when nasty stuff looks good. You know you're really hungry. Okay, so he looks at that, and he says this. I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm not going to go back as his son. I'll just go be a servant. Even his servants, he gets three, they get, you know, they get fed well. They get, they get shelter. Uh, they've got, you know, some basic care for my life. I don't have any of that right now. So I'm going to go back to my father's house. I'm just going to be a servant. And so what, what does it say when, when he comes on, on the crest of the hill or wherever it was? It says the father was already looking for him. So the father was always looking for the son. Just like God is always looking for us. It doesn't matter how far you've wandered. If you've wandered away from God, uh, He is always waiting and looking for you to come back. God loves it when the prodigals come home. And here's the deal. It says the Father runs out to meet Him. Now, why would God do that for me? There's no hesitation. I mean, there's no, there's not a thought like the father isn't like going, oh, well, sucker, glad you're back. It's about time. <laughs> so you wanted me dead, huh? Wanted, just wanted my money. That's all you cared about. I'll show you. But that's not the heart of God. It says God ran. That's, it's a picture of the father where, where the father runs. And he he goes to, to the son who's been far off. And his father gets to him. I mean, he doesn't even let him get fully back. He says, I'm gonna go to you. You're 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 getting close, I'm just I'm gonna meet you there. I'm gonna come I'm gonna come towards you. I mean that's why all it takes for us sometimes to turn to Jesus is just a little bit. You just have to say, Okay, God, I need you. And boom, he's right in there. He he's ready to go. Uh, and so he runs to the son and and he his son says Forgive me. I've, I've messed up. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. So let me just be a servant, in other words. And he says, come on in, son. He says, guess what? My son's home. Hey, bring the robe. Bring the robe. Bring the ring. Bring the sandals. So here's the deal. I mean, the ring, of course, was the authority uh, of the house. To signify he had authority in the father's house to carry out business, to do his father's will and desire and business in town. He could authorize things. But the robe was this. You know, the robe signified that he was a son of the father. You know, they had different, you know, the servants wore one type of clothing. The servants would never wear a robe like the son would. You know, we don't understand this. Our families, we just go to our closets, right? And we go, I want to wear that. And it's just what we wear. We all we all look the same because we all dress just whatever shirt, we, pants we want to wear. If you're ladies, you wear a dress. But in that time, what they were wearing symbolized so much more. So right away, every single person in the house, every single person in the house would have known if he has the ring and the robe, he has full status as the son again. He's not just a servant. 
He's not a slave. He's not one of the lowest ones in the household. He's not going to be punished for all the things he did wrong. No, the father is saying, I'm restoring you to who you were meant to be. And that's exactly what God does for us. He says, guess what? I'm going to give you my robe. My robe is called the robe of righteousness. What is righteousness? It's right living. You don't deserve it because neither do I. You don't deserve it because you haven't lived right. There's only one who lived right. And of course, as I said before, that's Jesus. And so because Jesus has righteously lived, this is his garment. This is the garment of Jesus where he says, here's the, here's the clothing. Here's the outerwear of Jesus. And so here's the deal. He gives you the robe of righteousness. You know, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, it says this. He who hadn't... He, well, let me read it. I'm messing it up. Let's just turn there. When you start quoting it wrong, go ahead and turn there. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's one of my favorite verses. Because here's the deal. He's given you a robe of righteousness. It's spiritual. Okay, It's not physical. It's a spiritual robe where anytime you are in dealings in the spiritual realm, you have a robe of righteousness on. So when you're praying, when you are praying before God, guess what? He says, there's one of mine. That's my son or my daughter right there. I can tell by what they're wearing. They've got Jesus all over them. They've got the righteousness of Jesus. I see everything right in their life right now. I mean, can you imagine that? Look, in this reality, in the physical reality, everything is not right in my life. None of us are perfect. I still screw up and say things to my wife I shouldn't say. I still do things I probably shouldn't do. I think things I shouldn't think, and so do you. But when we come to God, when we're in the spiritual realm, when we're praying, when we're worshiping, when we're, when a demon comes in and tries to oppose us, guess what? They know we've got the robe on. They know who you are in hell. Because of what you're wearing. You've got righteousness all over you. It's covered up anything on the inside. See, it's the inside is the linen garments. On the inside, you've been cleaned. You've been forgiven of all your sin. If you're a child of God, if you've trusted your life to Jesus Christ, it says you're clean. So you've got the garment of salvation, the clean linen. And then he's going to equip you to say, look, you need righteousness. And you're going to start to live right because you're wearing something that's going to help you. You're wearing someone. You know, what does it say? It says that we're, we are now in Christ, you know, I now I don't exist now in my life without Jesus. John Wymore doesn't exist anymore except in Jesus Christ. Anything that's that's outside of him, that doesn't exist anymore. It's a huge truth to get a hold of. You know, if you're praying for someone, you've got a robe on. 
When you're praying for someone, you know that scripture it says in James chapter 5, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, or in the King James, availeth much. Have you ever read that scripture and thought, man, I wish I was good enough to pray one of those prayers? Guess what? You are. If you're a child of God, you are a righteous one. It says you've been adorned with the robe of righteousness. You are standing right with God. And so guess what? Your prayer can availeth much. Your pr- prayer can be powerful and effective because you are righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. We have to take hold and believe this because we will pray with more faith. We will live with more hope. We will, we will share more love if we know who we are in Jesus Christ. You know, last night we had a wedding. It says there, as a, as a bridegroom adorns himself, you know, they had a, all kinds of fancy stuff on their head at the time. It says he, he was wearing kind of the priestly covering. And then it says, as a bride adorns herself with jewels. So, you know, every wedding is different, but everybody gets dressed up in a certain way. You, you wear something different. You're wearing, it's something special. You know, whatever that means to you. Uh, last night, you know, the guys were wearing, they were wearing jeans and, and, and some nice vests and white shirts. So that was, that was something different. I can guarantee you those guys weren't wearing that on Friday night. Okay, they were totally dressed differently. Myself, if you saw me, a couple of you were here last night, and you said, oh, who is that guy up there with them? Oh, that's Pastor John, because he's wearing a full suit. Didn't recognize you there, right? You didn't recognize me. Who's that? You know, because it's a special occasion. And so it's the same thing with the robe of righteousness. God says, it's just like this. I'm going to put this on you, so all the time is a special occasion in the Spirit. You know, you don't have to work it up. You don't have to, to, man, I'm just not feeling real spiritual right now. Well, that's fine. If you don't feel spiritual right now, you are spiritual right now. You are righteous right now. You are in right standing with God. When you approach God and pray, he sees Jesus. How powerful are Jesus' prayers to the Father? They're pretty good. <laughs> They're pretty effective. Is God accepting what I've given him? Yes, he is accepting. You've given him your heart, and now he looks at you and says, Yes, you're my son. Yes, you're my daughter. You're in right standing with me. And we can live in freedom then when the accuser comes. Not if he comes, but when he comes. Because he's going to show up. He's going to show up when you're not thinking about you being righteous before Jesus. He's going to show up when you're, when you're full of, of fear or when you're anxious about something. He's going to show up when you're, when you're feeling, when you've had a bad week, you're feeling guilty about how you acted or what you were thinking about. He's going to show up at the time and guess what? He wants to kick you when you're down. He wants to take his finger and say, Oh man, don't you remember? Sorry, you're sitting on the front. <laughs> my gosh, look what you did. Look at what you did. And here's the wonderful thing. Just like that song we sang, and I I did pick out the songs, but I've been too busy this week to think about the connection. Speak what is true. 
in the scripture here in Zechariah, what does it say? That God himself says, no, guess what? Satan, I rebuke you. So when the accuser comes to you, listen for the voice of God. And he will be your defender. He will be the one that says, no, no, this one's mine. He belongs to me. See Bill right there? That's mine. Satan, get out of here. Bill is mine. I can tell by the way he's dressed. He's got Jesus, righteousness, all over him. So I want us to stand. I want I want to pray. I want to pray specifically if you're you may have accusation from a human. You know, when sometimes people when, when they accuse you, have you ever been accused of something where people just start just pointing the finger at you or coming at you? You got a coworker, you got a family member, just maybe it's your spouse, I don't know, whatever it is, you got someone that's just accusing you. Uh a lot of times sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes the source of that is not really that person. The source of that is the enemy. It's the devil and his demons because what they want to do is they want to keep you down. They want to accuse you and keep you from believing in faith that you are who God has made you to be. Because if you discover who God has made you to be, then you're going to live like the one of who God has made you to be as a son or daughter of the one true God. So I want to pray for you. If that's you, uh, just kind of, I'm going to close my eyes. Everybody close their eyes. Just kind of lift your hands. If you've been facing accusation, you just say, God, I, I just need you to defend me right now. So I'm just going to pray for you. If that's you, just kind of lift your hands up to God as a symbol, as a, as a, as a response to him. Right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come against all the voices and every single person here that would try to destroy what you were doing in their life. And I say, you stop in the name of Jesus. By the authority of Jesus, you have no right to accuse a son or daughter of the king of anything. And we thank you right now, God, that you are giving a fresh revelation to each and every person of who they are in Jesus. God, we thank you for freedom from past guilt, Lord, from thoughts that would say, hey, remember what you did, remember what you did, remember what you did. In the name of Jesus, stop. I command those thoughts to stop, and I release your minds to obedience of Jesus Christ, that every thought would be taken captive and bow its knee to Jesus. And we declare right now there will be a fresh awareness of our standing with you, God. If we have to picture it in our head, God, that we actually have a robe over us, whatever it is that we can live like we are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ, that we stand right with God, that we will live with confidence, we will live with faith, we will live with hope, we will live with expectancy, Lord, we will live with joy, we will live with peace, we will live with kindness, we will live with understanding, we will have our ears open to what you're saying. We thank you for that, God, and we thank you for the voice of the accuser being kicked out of every single life today. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory, God, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Well, if you need prayer for something else specifically, please don't leave without finding someone that looks like they got a robe on next to you. They can pray with you. And... uh We will see you next time.